0: we have looked at the patriarchal period, and God has blessed our hearts. So now we're going to look at two periods. The reason is that the period of conquest covers one book, the book of Joshua. It is a period that covered 25 to 35 years at max, and it is the story of how God led the people Over the Jordan River on dry land, reminiscent of the miraculous journey through the Red Sea. And there on the other side of Jordan, in the promised land that now belongs to them, that God has given, they now have to take it. Lesson after lesson is given during that conquest. You see, it is a great story of faith, of winning of losing, of learning, of life, and of death. It's the story of the division of the land after the southern and northern campaigns, the coastal and central campaigns. And Joshua, a great leader, brought the tribes together, and he led them. But there were fatal mistakes along the way. I would encourage every one of you to read the book of Joshua and read it from the standpoint of learning great and valuable lessons. Isn't it amazing as you read through the book of Joshua and learn that the first thing they had to do before they could ever conquer the land. And by the way, God gave them the land. He promised them the land, but he didn't hand it over to them. They had to take it, and they had to take it incrementally. And the reason is, is because if they had gotten it all at once, they wouldn't have known what to do with it. So they had to conquer incrementally so that God could lead them along the way. But it's amazing as the first thing they had to do was roll away the reproach. Yes, a great circumcision. Can you believe this? The very covenant people of God who had as a symbol and sign of the covenant itself that God had made with Abraham that he had given to Abraham in what we call Genesis chapter 17 as a seal, a token, a sign of the covenant people. That's right. The males were to be circumcised, showing that the foreskin of the flesh would be torn away, ripped away, cut away, God said, this is the sign and the seal of the covenant of my people. For 40 years, they had not kept the Passover For 40 years, they had not kept the seal and sign of the covenant. They needed a fresh start, and God gave them one at Gilgal. Did it hurt? Yes. Was it painful? Yes. Was it something that had to be done? Yes. So many lessons here to learn. So much about how we walk with God. And sure enough, they hadn't even got in the land. But after just a few weeks in the land, they had the story of the Gibeonites not only the great conquest and the miraculous victory at Jericho and then the shameful defeat at Ai, but they dealt with the Gibeonites. They were easily fooled because they did not consort and counsel with God, and they missed God. And the Gibeonites were a thorn in their flesh from that day forward. Yes, they served them, The Gibeonites served the children of Israel, but God said, there'll be thorns in your side. You're going to have to take care of them because you didn't listen to me. You didn't seek my counsel. You didn't do any kind of searching of the will of God. You didn't seek my face. And because of that, you made a huge mistake. And so you read the great stories of conquest and then the division of the land. And the end of that conquest, which would have been 1375, that's when I date the end of the time of battle. They didn't conquer all the land that God had given to them. They didn't take all the land, and because of that, they had to deal with the people of the land for years to come. But for a period of 1375 all the way down to 1051, You had the Judges ruling. Now, the book of Judges is an ever-repeating cycle. God would give rest to his people. And in rest and in contentment and in peace, the people would rebel. They would turn away from God, and God would send retribution. An enemy would come in. It might be the Philistines, it might be the Midianites, it might be another people, sometimes from within. But God would send a leader, so there would be rest for the people. Then there would be rebellion in that rest. And then the people would repent and call out upon God. God would send a leader in. And the people would be restored. And then God would reconcile the people to himself. And then he would give them rest. And after a period of rest, they would rebel again. This is an endless cycle. And you say, well, how could these people that have been blessed so much be so flippant about walking with God the same way you and I are? God is so good to us. He's so merciful to us. He graces us with all that we don't deserve. But then when everything's going well and we have a full belly and we are content and everything's going our way, it's just the time when we forget God. It's many times after our greatest victories that we have our greatest defeats. That's when we're most vulnerable, when we're filled with ourselves. This is why God said when you get into the land and you have eaten to the full, that's when you need to say thanks. Now, we need to thank God before we eat. But I believe we need to follow the practice of the Jews and we need to thank God after we've eaten because that's when we're the most vulnerable. That is when we are full and we're happy and we have a tendency to forget God. That's the cycle and the pattern of the book of Judges. And the last chapter of the book of Judges, chapter 21 and verse 25, it says, In those days, what days? The days of the Judges. Can you believe it? For 369 years, Shiloh, Shiloh as we say, was the capital of Israel. It was where the tabernacle was. It was at Shiloh that Samuel became the great man of God that he was and the one who was the anointer of kings. He anointed both Saul of the tribe of Benjamin and he anointed King David of the tribe of Judah, the son of Jesse. But the Bible says during the days of those judges, when God would raise up this one and then God would raise up that one, why did he have to do that? It says in verse 25 of chapter 21, in those days there was no king in Israel, no leader, no one that rose to be the leader. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. But it didn't end there. At the end of the book of Judges, is a small book by the name of Ruth. Ruth means friendship. You know the story of Elimelech, Elimelech we call him, and Naomi, the Pleasant One, that is, God is my king, and the Pleasant One, who were from Bethlehem, looked over, as I have done many times from Bethlehem, with the sun setting behind me in the west, and I've looked at the green fields at Madaba. Madaba was the home of Ruth and Orpah, and it was the place where Elimelech and Naomi took their two sons, Malion and Kilion, Whiny and Piney, that's what those names mean, one that cries all the time, one that's sickly, and those boys married women, Moabite women, and then they died. Elimelech died, and Naomi became bitter. As a matter of fact, she said, don't even call me Naomi, the pleasant one, anymore, Call me Mara, Mary, the bitter one. And so they made their way over to Madaba. And from Madaba, I have stood there on occasion in Madaba, on that great cliff overlooking the Syrian-African Rift Valley, down in the Jordan Valley. And on a clear morning with the sun rising behind me in the east, I have seen Bethlehem shining in the distance with her greenery. And no doubt, Naomi longingly looked at Bethlehem many mornings. And one morning she said, I'm going home. And the two daughter-in-laws wanted to go, and she told them to go back, but Ruth wouldn't. She said, oh, no, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. Wherever you lodge, that's where I'm going to lodge. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And wherever you die... There I'll be buried with you. And so she went, and you know the story of Boaz, the older man that treated a younger woman with great kindness, and in doing so, redeemed the land that belonged to Elimelech. And in the fields of Boaz, Ruth was blessed beyond measure, and Naomi guided her into a marriage with this kinsman redeemer, the Goel. And if you've never studied that word, do it, G-O apostrophe the Goel. It's translated Kinsman Redeemer. And that is a beautiful picture of who Jesus is for us. But I don't want you to get caught up immediately in the imagery and the foreshadowing of Jesus, the Messiah. Oh, yes, he's the ultimate fulfillment of the Kinsman Redeemer. But Ruth was given not primarily as a picture of Jesus, but it was to introduce the one that would be the forerunner of Jesus, King David. Because you see, the lineage of David is given, and it's placed at the end of the book of Judges because the period of the book of Judges ended. And that is when God formed the united monarchy, as it's called, when Israel was brought under one leader. And it was during those days that Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, came back to Bethlehem. And that is where Boaz and Ruth bore a son, Obed, and Obed, Jesse, and Jesse, David. We are introduced then to the Samuel Kings and Chronicles material, where David is the one that is the shining star that comes out. If you say, well, wait, look what David did through his adulterous relationships. Oh, yes, he no doubt messed up royally, no pun intended. But indeed, it was the grace of God that brought him back. And he is the type and the forerunner of Jesus. And he is the one through whom Jesus came. And at the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus identifies with David. Yes, with David. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David. I was before David and I was after him. Only Messiah could say that. Only God could say that. And indeed, Jesus is, was, and will be the Messiah. And indeed, he was and is and will be. RISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.